0: Good morning. Welcome to our worship service here with uh, Sandoval and Boulder, United Methodist Parish. I'm Michael Hall, the pastor here. Um, Announcements-wise, the first announcement I want to make is next Sunday is the plan for opening Boulder uh, for in-person worship. So those of you who attend Boulder that want to come to in-person worship, the service will begin at 9 o'clock next Sunday, provided everything... Goes well, and we will probably plan for communion. It'll be the little handout cups, so uh, we will uh, be planning accordingly. Second announcement, and I forgot to mention this last week our cluster is having cluster services. Uh, there is no meal, masking is required, and they are limiting seating uh, in the past. Uh, that's not really been too much of an issue anyway with the seating because attendance hasn't been just really, really high. So those who are interested in going to the cluster service, it is at uh, Cornerstone at 630. Uh, That is uh, the when and the where. So um, other than that, um, most things are holding steady. Nothing major to announce. I did mention with the in-person announcements that there will be a board meeting here at Sandoval the second Tuesday in March at 7 o'clock so those of you who are on committees or committee heads and who are fine, comfortable coming to an in-person meeting we will meet in the fellowship hall at 7 o'clock, masks required and we will be all spaced out so um, I think that's probably the only announcements I've got for right now So let's open with a word of prayer. Gracious, holy, and loving God, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the spring weather that you are giving us. Lord, we look forward to the spring to come and the joy of Easter to come. Lord, we pray that you would guide us, direct us, and protect us, and that you would help us to be your hands and feet in the world. We pray your blessings upon us. We pray that you would bless this service. And that you would uh, shape us into the image of your son, that we might be your hands and feet. And we just praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Good morning. Please join me in our call to worship. People of God, hear this good news. God is is faithful. Through the Holy Spirit,
2: God brings us the gift of faith and makes us righteous.
1: Believe in the good news. That
2: we are set free to live with the Son of God. Amen.
1: Thanks be to God. <laughs>
0: hearts this morning to bring to God our joys and our concerns. My, my encouragement to you is to put your trust in the God who knows everything that you're to deal with this week, even before you even know it, and that he has already made provision for that. And so you can know that you can trust God with the things that weigh upon your heart. You can also come to him with your joys because he is the one who is the author of them and he wants you to share them with him. So as we prepare to share our joys and concerns with God in prayer, know that we serve a God who knows everything that's going to happen to you in this coming week and that there's nothing that's going to happen that he hasn't already made plan and preparation for. Gracious, holy, and loving God, Lord, we come to you today, your grateful and thankful people. We come to you thankful for the warmer weather. We come to you thankful for your presence in our lives, that you loved us so much that you sent your Son to rescue us from the brokenness in this world, to rescue us from our own sin, that we might be remade into your image, and that we might live as the stewards of your creation. And as brothers and sisters to each other as you had always intended. Lord, we thank you for your healing presence in our lives. And we pray for those who are injured or sick. And that you would give them your healing presence. That they would experience your life. Lord, we pray for those who are in mourning. That you would give them your peace. And your comfort. Holy God, we come to you praying for our world, that you would bring healing in this world. There is so much that is broken. And Lord, we pray that through us, you might forgive us, reshape us into your image. That we might be part of your healing work in this world. Until that great day comes when your kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus comes again. Holy God, we come to you praying for our doctors, our nurses, and our military and law enforcement, Lord. Our healers, our peacekeepers, and our peacemakers. We pray that you guide, direct, and protect them. And most especially, let them know that they are never alone, but that you are with them. And we pray for all who serve, but especially the friends and family of these churches. We lift them up to you. Lord, we pray for our leaders in government, that you would give them wisdom from on high that through them you might do your will. And most of all, Lord, we pray for those that do not know you. We pray that you would use us as your ministers to share your love with them, that all might come to know in the name of Jesus and be saved. Father, God, all of these joys and concerns we lay down at your feet in the name of your Son, Jesus, knowing you hear our every prayer and in the power of your Holy Spirit, we continue to pray to you this day. The prayer your son Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Okay, so for the first time in a long, long time, we're going to have a children's message, which I'm really excited about. And I'm going to have Delia and Charlie, my little boy and my little girl, come sit by me. And I think Hudson and Jonah are going to sit out here in a chair close to where they can hear and watch. And we're going to get to have a children's sermon today. So I wanted to point out, the two that are, I know you all that are here know this, but anybody watching out there, you see two kids sitting next to me and say, oh, they're not social distancing. Well, just understand, they live with me. <laughs> they're mine. So no problems there. So, all righty, this is going to be fun. you, Charlie, you guys come up here. Got older in the midst of all this, and sitting
2: down
0: here. Alright. Hey, buddy. Alright, and I just realized, so I'm going to read uh, from our children's Bible here. But so then I did think of a little object lesson. I think I might start with that real quick. Let's see if I can find it real quick. But, uh, my kids always like that I have cool socks. They used to always say, Daddy yeah, has cool socks. Let's see. If, oh, there he is.
2: Charlie in back.
0: That baby Yoda, I'm Hudson and John and all. you guys know about baby Yoda, have you guys got to see any of that
2: show? Hudson, thou. All right. Yoda,
0: yeah, he's got baby Yoda on his shirt. And the thing that's kind of fun in the show The Mandalorian is the Mandalorian kind of adopts baby Yoda and he takes care of him, even though they're not related. You know, baby Yoda gets into trouble and. It helps the man of the Lord, and they take care of each other like a family. And that's what Jesus calls us to be, is family to <coughs> each other, to help each other, and take care of each other, and be kind to each other, and show each other love. So that the, the idea is, and you know, in all reality, we're this, human. You know? We really are all one big family. And sadly, we But uh, but the, the reality is, is we are all one big family, and Jesus calls us to love and care for each other like family. And to help each other like Baby Yoda and and and, and help each other. Alright? Alright. So we're going to read. This is kind of a sad story, but it has chill was in the air. Something strange was happening. They had always been naked, but now they felt naked and wrong, and they didn't want anyone to see them, so they did. Later that evening, as God was taking his walk, he called to them, Children, usually Adam and Eve loved to hear God's voice, and would run to him, But this time they ran away from him and hid in the shadows. Where are you, God called? Hiding, Adam said. We're afraid of you. Did, he, did you eat the fruit I told you not to eat? God asked them. Adam said, Eve made me do it. What have you done? God asked. Eve said the serpent made me do it.
2: And terrible
0: pain came into God's uh, and terrible pain came into God's His children hadn't just broken the one rule. They had broken God's heart. They had broken their wonderful relationship with Him. And now He knew everything else would break. God's creation would start to unravel and come undone and go wrong. From now on, everything would die, even though it was all supposed to last forever. You see, sin had come into God's perfect world and it would never leave. God's children would be always running away from Him and hiding in the dark. Their God couldn't let His children, or I'm sorry, their hearts would break now and never work properly again. God would let His children live forever, not in such pain, not without Him. There was only one way. no longer your true home. It's not the place for you anymore. But before they left the garden, God made clothes for his children to cover them. He gently clothed them, and then he sent them away on a long, long journey out of the garden, out of their home. Well, in another story, it would all be over, and that would have been the end. But that is not God loved his children too much to let the story end there. Even though he knew he would suffer, God had a plan, a magnificent dream. One day he would get his children back. One day he would make the world their perfect home again. And one day he would wipe away every tear from their eyes. You see, no matter what, in spite of everything, God would love his children with a never-stopping, never-giving-up, unbreaking all his hearts, God's children would miss him, always and long for him. Lost children yearning for their home.
2: But before they left the garden,
0: Thank you.
1: was thinking while he was reading that, um, knowing that the song was next, how the closest we can get to Eden right now before he makes all things new is in prayer, and it just hit to me, Hit me, and I wanted to share that with you. Um, it's our chance to be in God's presence and be in the only Eden that's possible on this earth right now. ahead. Um, Come to the garden.
0: So today we're continuing our series in Genesis and Exodus. And today we will look at Genesis chapter 4. So We'll begin with Genesis chapter 4 verse 1. I'm sorry, let's see here. Actually, I think we will start with verse two, uh, the latter part of verse 2. We'll start with, uh, this is going to be about Cain and Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which was swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. Cain replied to the Lord, My punishment is too great for me to hear, to bear. You've banished me from the land and from your presence. You have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. The Lord replied, No, for I will give a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain had sexual relations with his wife and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. And Cain founded a city, which he named Enoch after his son. Enoch had a son named Irid. Irid became the father of mehujael Mahujel became the father of Methushel. Methushel became the father of Lamech. Lamech married two women. The first was named Ada, and the second Zila. Ada gave birth to Jabel, who was the first of those who raise livestock and live in tents. His brother's name was Jubal, the first of all who play the harp and flute. Lamech's other wife, Zila, gave birth to a son named Tubal-Cain. He became an expert in forging tools of bronze and iron. Tubal-Cain had a sister named Nama. One day Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zila, hear my voice. Listen to me, you wives of Lamech. I have killed a man who attacked me, a young man who wounded me. If someone who kills Cain is punished seven times, the one who kills me will be punished 77 times. Adam had sexual relations with his wife again and she gave birth to another son. She named him Seth. For she said, God has granted me another son in place of Abel whom Cain killed. When Seth grew up, he had a son named Enosh. At that time, people first began to worship the Lord by name. This is the word of God for the people of God. There is a saying that says blood runs thicker than water. What this phrase actually means essentially is that family sticks together and takes care of each other. We as Christians that see ourselves as orthodox or as some say traditionalists tend to put a high priority on family and what some term family values. In essence, we want to cultivate good ethical parents that will instill good Christian values in their children and teach them to be good citizens. We have a view of the family as a shelter from a tumultuous world. And I do believe that with God's help and the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ, Christian families can be empowered to do just that. But with all that being said, one of the things that we must come to terms with as we look at Genesis and Exodus in the light of the cross of Jesus is that with the fall of humanity into sin, the family became inextricably bound in that fallenness. And in fact, it is in the first family and first sibling relationship that we will see how broken human relations are have actually become in the fall as murder and fratricide come into existence. We will be forced to look at our own families as one of the many things that outside of God's grace through Jesus at the cross is absolutely broken. In our text today, it talks about the first siblings, Cain and Abel. Cain is actually the eldest. Abel is the younger. And this begins a tradition, in, especially in Genesis. If you really pay attention in the book of Genesis, the oldest son is almost never the one who ends up inheriting or being the one who is to carry on the blessing of God into the world. You know, if you fast forward a little bit to Abraham... Abraham's first son is Ishmael. He is not the one to carry the promise. It's the second born, Isaac. Isaac has Esau and Jacob. Esau comes out first. Esau is not the one with whom the promise will lie. It's going to be Jacob, the one that's a liar and a cheat. So we see starting off here is one point worth noting is that the eldest is not always the one who is to carry on the promise of God. Second, we see throughout all of the book of Genesis that family is an absolute mess. So we have Cain and Abel, the first children, the first brothers. Cain grows crops. Abel shepherds sheep. Now, both of them come to God with a sacrifice. And it's interesting because, again, if you know your Bible, there's no prescribed ritual for proper sacrificial worship until Moses and his meeting with God on Mount Sinai. And yet we still have this example of early sacrificial worship of God. Cain comes to God with a grain offering. Abel comes to God with an offering of his best sheep. I think some people have tried to say that the reason why Abel gets the favoritism and Cain doesn't is because Abel offers sheep, whereas Cain offers grain. I don't think that is the case, because if you, again, fast forward a bit, look into the Old Testament law, there is a place for grain offerings. All right? We don't really get much of an explanation as to why God accepts Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's. I think we get a hint in that it is, there is a point made to say that Abel brings the best of his lambs. And for Cain's sacrifice, it just says he brings a grain offering. Doesn't say anything about it being his best. Doesn't say anything about it being his first fruits. It's just he brings some grain. So the question comes in, why is God accepting of Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's? You go further into the New Testament, there's some theories that are thrown around. I think the most prevalent is the idea that Cain's heart wasn't in it. He wasn't bringing God his best. Abel was bringing God his best. Cain was just trying to go through the motions of a sacrifice. Abel was giving a sacrifice of the heart. All right. That is the best explanation I can give here. That's theorizing, but that's good theorizing because uh, there are New Testament writers that kind of give that indication. So what happens? Abel's sacrifice is accepted. Cain's is not. Cain becomes angry and upset. Now, at first glance, what really seems to be the case is Cain... I don't think he's so much angry at Abel. He's angry at God. And God warns Cain about sin. God says sin is crouching at your door, waiting to control you. And the, the image of something crouching at the door, I think of, a, of a, a beast or a monster. I think of a wolf. This is an, an, an analogy of a ravenous beast. And it pops up again and again in Scripture. If you begin again where we were at last week, a serpent is the one who deceives Adam and Eve. Serpent is a beast. It's one of those things which Adam and Eve were supposed to rule over. Instead, they are ruled over by the beast. God is warning Cain, saying, Listen, if you're not careful you're going to end up falling into the same trap that your mother and father did, and you're going to be ruled by the beast. Later on in the New Testament, Peter uses a similar analogy, saying that the devil stalks about as a hungry lion looking for whom he may devour. So this analogy of sin, of Satan being this thing that crouches and waits for an opportunity to dominate you and control you, you're going to see pop up again and again throughout Scripture. Apparently Cain does not listen. And it's interesting to me because although it says Cain and his sacrifice weren't accepted, God is still on speaking terms with Cain. It's not that God is entirely ignoring Cain. He's just saying, look, you didn't, whatever it was about Cain's sacrifice, he didn't do things right. Abel did. Cain has an opportunity for this to be a learning moment, but he rejects it. Cain, then, because he can't really get back at God very easily, Decides to do the next best thing. He goes after his brother, Abel. And as we saw in our children's message, the the fall began with a lie, and, and a lie continues to permeate all the way through to today. In this case, Cain lies to his brother and says, let's go out to the field together. He lies to him. He tricks him into going with him out into the field. And what does Cain do? He murders his brother. With this first murder. We get God asking Cain. Where is your brother? And Cain says. Am I my brother's keeper? The unspoken answer to that question is. Yes you are your brother's keeper. We have a responsibility. To each other. To do what is necessary. To help each other. To take care of each other. And Cain is cursed. Cursed. He's cursed to wander. That is the the meaning of that. It says he's sent into the land of Nod. Well, Nod translated means wandering. So in other words, he just goes off wandering. But it's interesting because even though he's the first murderer, even though he is marked, he is also the founder of civilization because he builds the first city. The indication of this is that civilization, by its founding, is corrupt to the core. Founded by a murderer and his murderous family. Cain will have a, a grandchild or great-grandchild. I'd have to sit down there and figure the, how far down the line. I think it's a grandchild that uh, is a murderer himself. So murder is going to run in this family. When I was a kid grew up in the 80s I was told to not go anywhere with a stranger and as an 80s kid I can remember all the Halloween horror stories of razor blades shoved in apples which are mostly unfounded that ended up being mostly an urban legend stranger danger and all of that stuff and I do say, you know, we need to be careful and our kids need to be taught to be careful of those that they don't know. But here's here's the thing. You want to know something really sad? I work with law enforcement a lot with my state job. And I have some education on this. And when something bad happens to a kid, do you want to know who law enforcement looks at first? They don't look for a stranger, they look at their family, because you wanna know why? Most of the time, it's the family. I'm just saying a sad truth. Most of the time, kid gets hurt, kid gets, God forbid, killed, more often than not, it's the family. Do you remember a really nasty case a few years back around Columbia, Illinois, a man that worked as a security guard for a church? I've met some of the officers that were the first responders to that murder where he murdered his wife and all of his kids. I've met with those officers, and they said they knew from the get go that it was him, they knew it was the dad who murdered his whole family. We want so desperately to make our families a refuge and a loving place, but it seems like our brokenness won't even spare what should be an inviolate place of safety and love. So the point that I'm getting in all of this with this message is that the start of the human family does not get off to a good start. But as always, we have hope. The reason why I read through that entire passage was first of all to show you where Cain is the founder of civilization and that civilization at its core is corrupt, but also to show that there is another child born to replace Abel, named Seth. From Seth's family will come Enoch, who was close to God and was called away to be with him, Methuselah, who was the longest living man ever, and another man named Noah, who would be the one that God would use to start the human family over with. From Noah's family will eventually come Abraham, then Moses, David, and eventually Jesus. Yes, family is where we see our brokenness at its worst. Yes, family is where we see how bad the world is brought to a focus. That it will also be through family that God will redeem all of creation. When Jesus goes to the cross, he will show his love of his family by telling his disciple to care for his mother. Do you worry about your family? I know I do. Do you have pain in your life from your family? Do you want so desperately to make your family a healing, safe place for your spouse and your children and yourself? The cross of Jesus offers healing for our families that no self-help, no psychologist or government agency can even ever dream of accomplishing. If we truly want our families to be a place where Jesus' light shines in the world, we must first come to Jesus in our brokenness, letting His blood that is, letting His healing blood do its work. Jesus' cross will bring healing to even the most broken of relationships, if we will let it. Amen. gracious, holy, and loving God, we pray, Lord, that you would work through us, work through our families, that you would redeem us, that you would shape us all into the image of your Son, that we might reflect the heavenly family that you have called us to be, that we would be our brother's keeper, that we would care for each other and love each other as you have called us to. We pray, Lord, that you would take us and shape us. Help us to go into the world reflecting your love. And we praise you and thank you. And ask that you be with us till we meet here again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And go in peace.